welcome to Freedom House South End. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Diana Henderson, and my husband and I get to be your campus pastors here at South End, the best campus there is. Y'all give it up for your campus. It's the best one. Although we have two others, we've got our central campus, we got Pastor Penny preaching there, we got our Lake Norman campus, Pastor Olin's preaching there, and we do things differently. We never have a screen preaching the message. It's always a live person bringing a live word of God, which is so awesome, isn't it? You know, that's a vision that God gave to our pastors when launching the church, is that each one of us have gifts to use for the kingdom of God. And so our senior pastors fan those flames of the gifts on the inside of each of us to use to build the kingdom of God. Pretty incredible. Can we give it up for our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell? They're awesome, awesome leaders. All right, guys, you know, the Bible has this incredible way of painting a picture that will draw us in. Sometimes the stories in the Bible will help us to see our own circumstances right there in the midst of the word. And today I wanna talk about a story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You guys probably know this story. It's the famous story of David and Goliath. But before we get to the mighty battle. I wanna set up for you what the scripture describes in verse three. It says, the Philistines occupied one hill, the Israelites another, with a valley in between. So just put yourself in this for just a second. Imagine on one hill is the Philistine army. The Philistines were the enemy army. They were led by giants. And the Philistines represented a thorn in the side of the Israelites. They showed up all the time. Constantly in the scripture, the Philistines were showing up as an enemy that the Israelites had to defeat. Shamgar, Jephthah, Samson, quite some names right there, all leaders of the Israelite army that had to defeat the Philistines even prior to this account in the scripture. Now, I believe that the Philistine army is representative of setbacks that we face in life. Anybody face a setback before? Setbacks can be of all sorts of sizes and shapes. Setbacks can look like betrayal in your marriage, maybe a medical diagnosis, maybe having more month than money in a financial situation. And the thing about setbacks is they keep showing up in life. All right, now on the other hill, we've got the Israelites. And the Israelites represent God's chosen people. They represent a close relationship with God. That was God's design. They represent freedom. That's what we were intended to do. Imagine that the Israelite hill are our bounce backs. So you've got the Israelites are our bounce backs. You've got the Philistines on the other hill represent our setbacks. And in between is this valley. Can you see yourself staring at that situation in your own life? The story continues on. David, a shepherd boy, comes in from out of the fields. He's tending sheep. And he goes to visit his seven brothers who were enlisted in the Israelite army to defeat the Philistine enemy. 
And he goes and he sees with his natural eyes what? Goliath. This giant, this person that looks to be undefeatable. And David in that moment makes a decision and he says, I'm not gonna look with my natural eyes, but I'm gonna see this circumstance with vision from the Lord. And I wanna read to you what he says, what he declares as he runs at Goliath the giant in verse 45. He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He says, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Come on, somebody. I'll strike you down. I'll cut off your head. This very day, I'm going to give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword, not by spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give us y'all into our hands. Come on. David looks with natural eyes because, nope, I'm gonna set my sight aside, and I'm gonna look at this with vision from the Lord. And what does he do? He leads the Israelites to a bounce back, one for the books for all of Israel. Can you see it? We're in a series wrapping up today called Can You See It? And it's all about the juxtaposition of sight versus vision. You see, sight is what our natural eyes can see. But vision is what our heart can dream. And you know, just like the juxtaposition between sight and vision, I believe that there's a juxtaposition between our setbacks and our bounce backs in life. They're contrary to each other. Sight and vision are often at odds. So are our setbacks and our bounce backs. David could have easily continued the pursuit of Goliath with natural sight. But what he recognized is that that would have sized up the enemy bigger than what he was capable of. And instead, he employed vision from the Lord, which led him to a bounce back. You know, that's the same perspective. God is calling us to have vision in our bounce back, not sight in our setback. You know, sight and setback require natural visibility. We have to see with our natural eyes in those circumstances, whereas our bounce back and vision require a supernatural invisibility. The difference between where you are in a setback and where you want to be in a bounce back is your ability to envision it. Can you see it? You know, sight can be measured Anyone in here with 2020 sight? All right, come on, with glasses, there you go, all right. LASIK, okay, some of you are young and still have fresh eyes. Well, sight will always fail us. Our eyesight is always gonna decline unless you employ a surgery. I went to the optometrist recently, my optometrist, sweetest old man, he's late 80s, he comes wheeling into the room on his chair, he doesn't get up, he stays on his wheelie chair. 
And my eyes are dilated. He's already conducted the exam and he hands me a box of tissues and he said, Miss Diana, I have bad news for you. And he said, and after I reveal this to you, I'm gonna give you a moment so you can process this. I was like, he's like, it's time for readers. I was like, somewhat relieved because I thought he was gonna tell me something more significant. But at the same time, I'm like, give me that box of tissues. Sight will always fail us, but vision will not. And can I just tell you that we need vision in our setbacks in order to walk in the way that God is calling us to. We've got to have vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18, you guys know this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, after David's mighty victory over Goliath, his story doesn't end. In fact, he goes on the next 15 years experiencing setback after setback after setback. Some on his own doing. He committed adultery. And then he kills his adulteress's husband, so he commits murder. He made mistakes on the battlefield. His leader was chasing him, trying to kill him. David knew what setbacks were all about. But what's different is David employed vision in each one of these setbacks. He repented when he made mistakes. He went before the Lord to say, God, forgive me, I messed up. He worshiped. The scripture says he had a heart for worship for the Lord. And the guy did not give up. So today, I wanna focus on the vision that we are to have for our bounce back, instead of looking at our circumstance with natural eyesight. Because I can promise you, if you are staring with your eyes at the junk that you are facing, it will always consume you. I think sometimes we've lost sight of vision. And God is saying, I need you to have it again. Because God designed us for victory. Romans 8.35, it says, who? shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or setback? As it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Come on. Vision for your bounce back looks like three things. Purpose, preparation, and promotion. I'm gonna unpack each one of these and I would encourage you to take notes because listen, you're gonna hear something powerful from the Lord today, I believe it. But when you walk out of these doors, it's helpful to have something to reflect back to, to go, okay, wait a second, I'm in a setback, God. What were you speaking to me? The first one is purpose. In every setback, there's purpose. You mean my car breaks down and there's purpose in that? Yes, sirree, there is. Every setback has purpose. And listen, Jesus promised us setbacks. He says in John 16, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace because in this world you will have trouble. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you in trouble? That's what I say to my kids when they get that look on their face and you're like, okay. Jesus continues, he's on, he says, but take heart. 
I've overcome the world. So he promises us, promises us that we're gonna face trouble, but he says, I've already overcome. That word trouble in the Greek is the word thalipsis. It means to crush, to press together, to squash, to hem in, to compress, to squeeze, in turn, to break. That word thalipsis literally talks about a pressure physically on a person. Thalipsis isn't referring to minor inconveniences. It's talking about real hardships, setbacks can be real hardships. I know a lot of your stories in here and I know you faced real hardships. But here's the thing, there's so many different causes of a setback, right? Sometimes it's an injustice, maybe somebody did you wrong in a business deal, or maybe it was your sin that you took you to a setback, right? Sometimes we make mistakes. Maybe it was the economy crash. There's so many different causes of a setback. But listen, I don't believe we're to focus on the cause. I think we're to focus on the purpose. And the purpose is growth. Growth is the purpose of our setbacks. Now listen, if you try and focus on the cause of your setback, I can promise you, you're gonna spin in circles. You're gonna land in blame, you'll land in shame, and it is not a productive place to be. But instead, in your setback, if you can focus on what is God trying to produce in me in this season, there's growth to be had. I remember out of college, I was heavily recruited by this company down in Charlotte. It was a big reason why Matt and I moved to Charlotte. And man, this company like put on the full court press. And I was like, looking back, I was a college graduate. I had nothing to offer back then, right? No experience, <laughs> just a, 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 a you know, college diploma, no offense to those young people, but I, I just didn't have a lot to offer. But they were recruited, like they, they brought me down to Charlotte, dined me, like, like you know, constant talking about the benefits package, you know, a, a company paid car, cell phone, which back then that was a big deal, computer, whole nine yards. And I was like, this is it, this is for me. And then I get the call, they didn't go with me. And I was like, what the heck? They made a mistake. And it was a setback because for me, here I am fresh out of college. I'd signed a lease on an apartment. I'm going, how am I gonna pay the bills? And I was frustrated, devastated, disappoint, disappointed, all the things. And then I went to work for this startup. This company had no reputation, but I earned my stripes at this company, served with them for many, many years, earned equity in the company, and I ended up helping them take the company public, which was incredibly financially lucrative. It was a comeback that God was preparing me for. Here's the crazy thing, that company that originally recruited me, six months later, they went totally belly up. They eliminated all of their workforce. So what I couldn't see in the moment, God was preparing me year after year after year for a mighty bounce back. What's the purpose of your setback? It's growth. What growth is God trying to produce for you in your setback? Oh no, you gotta ask him. That's between you and God. Maybe it's growing in patience. Maybe it's learning to be more present. 
Maybe it's learning to trust God in an area of your life that you've not yet trusted God. Maybe it's learning to control your temper. Maybe it's learning to avoid a temptation. Whatever that is, God is trying to produce growth in us. I love how John Maxwell says it. He says, facing difficulties is inevitable. Learning from them is optional. We have a phrase we use with the Freedom House staff. We say tuition value. When we make a mistake, what's the tuition value of this circumstance? What can we learn and glean from this to pull forward into our future? What is God trying to teach us? You guys remember the movie back in the early 90s called Groundhog's Day? Okay. All right, well, if you're not familiar, Bill Murray is a character in this movie, and he's a TV reporter. And he goes to this rural uh, city in Pennsylvania, and he's covering Groundhog's Day. And he's like cynical. He's kind of a jerk, to be honest. He shows up for this assignment, which he felt like was beneath him, to cover Groundhog's Day, whether or not the groundhog saw his shadow. And he's just being kind of a jerk. Well, he wakes up the next day, only to find out that it's Groundhog's Day once again. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And he's caught in this perpetual cycle of the same day over and over again. Now, he learns to play piano. He learns how to save the lives of somebody. But he was using it for his personal gain. He was using the circumstances that he knew what was going to happen for his personal gain. Until one day, it hits him. I can help others. I can use the fact that I know what events are to occur to help others. And when he finally has that realization, he wakes up the next day and it's February 3rd. The day is finally advanced. Maybe you're finding yourself in a perpetual Groundhog's Day. The same test over and over and over again because you've not yet learned the growth that God is trying to produce in you. And listen, God is a great God. He's like, oh, don't worry, I'll give you that test again and again and again because he cares that we learn the growth. Romans 5 verse 3 says, not only so, but we're glory, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. We're gonna come back to that word. Perseverance produces character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. What growth is God producing in you in your setback? Number two is preparation. Having vision for our bounce back looks like preparation. Because we just talked about the purpose is growth. So the process is preparation. Now remember, the Philistines were on one hill. The Israelites were on another hill. And then there was a valley in between. And the valley represents that process of preparation. That valley represents where we are to develop that growth, where we're to learn and grow and master that growth. Anybody in here a Mac user? Yeah, my people. I've been using Macs for the last like 15 years. I love Apple products. Well, uh, one day I was using my MacBook and you know when the iOS, it downloads the new version and it changes your background on your computer? 
Anybody, does that happen to anybody else? Okay, I was like, dang, maybe it's just me. <laughs> Could be. Anyway, this background, a new background showed up on my screen one morning, and there's this beautiful picture of a mountain. And my eye goes right to the mountaintop. I'm like, oh, I love mountaintops. But then at the very bottom of the mountain was this valley. And in the valley was foliage and growth and fruit. And it was beautiful, reds and yellows and greens. And God spoke to me in that moment. And he goes, Diana, you long for the mountaintop, but fruit is produced in the valley. In other words, what we need to learn, that growth, happens in the valley season. But what do we do? We don't like valley seasons, do we? In fact, I typically see two responses negatively to a valley season. The first one is avoidance. And we can't avoid the valley because it contains the process for growth. If we try to skip over it, we're never gonna advance. We're missing the fruit that was intended to be produced. How do we avoid? We stop taking risks. We avoid conflict. I'm not gonna go there because I just, I don't wanna argue. Maybe we become apathetic. David describes the valley seasons best in Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Turn to the person next to you, say, lie down. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley, turn to the next person and say, walk through the valley. Of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David describes the preparation in this valley season right here. And what I love is he gets it right. He says we're to walk through the valley and lie down in the green pastures. But here's the thing, we flip it. We end up laying down in the valley and walking through the green pastures and we've got it totally backwards. The second negative response that we have to a valley season is we wallow. We lay down in that valley when God said, keep on walking, keep on walking. These boots are made for walking. We can't wallow in the valley season. Otherwise, we end up outstaying our welcome. What was intended to become preparation is now reparation. God wanted that valley season to prepare us. And now he's having to repair us. When we wallow, how do we wallow? We start feeling sorry for ourselves. We become the victim and we're craving pity and empathy and sympathy from other people. We throw in the towel and we give up because it's just too hard. You know, I'll never forget I was walking through a really tough setback in life. And I was flat out throwing a pity party for myself. Woe is me, this sucks, this is bad. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, lots of tears. Like full on pity party. And I heard the Lord say to me, hey Diana, you can throw a a pity party, that's fine. But don't you dare invite anyone and don't stay there long. 
because that's what we do. If we're not careful, we'll wallow in what God was intended to be preparation for us. Don't give up. Your bounce back is on the other side of that valley. You know, one of David's setbacks was a misguided census. He's leading the Israelite army in a battle, and he starts using his eyesight to count the heads of his soldiers because he's like, I got to make sure I got enough people to battle the enemy, but God told him not to do that. He was disobedient. So what happened is God said, oh, you're going to have to pay the consequence because how many of you know there are consequences for disobedience? Somehow we forget that. There's consequences for our disobedience. And God even let him pick one of three. David lands on the one that was at the hand of the Lord, a plague that came upon his people. But do you know 70,000 of David's men fell at their death because of David's disobedience? Like, talk about setback. I don't know that I've ever done anything that killed 70,000 people. That's a bad day. But what did David do? Sorry, that's, what does he do? He goes before the Lord repentant. God, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I disobeyed. I shouldn't have done that. He goes from setback and this process, the Lord is going, okay, you're gonna suffer the consequence, but I'll use even that to prepare in you what's to come. And what comes at the end of that story is David uncovers the location of the future temple of the Lord that God allowed him to help to build. Powerful. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says we are his workmanship. Turn to somebody and say workmanship. Created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If we profess to be Christians, the whole process of being a Christian is being made more like Jesus, Christ, Christ-like. That's the process. That's the reason we're all here is every single day is to prepare us and to make us more like the one who died on the cross taking all of our sins, all of our misfortunes, all of our mistakes, past, present, and future. And he said, I'm gonna take that burden for you. And our responsibility is to learn every day to be a little bit more like the King of Kings. It's a process, it's preparation. And until we've arrived, we're being prepared. Number three. Last one, vision for your bounce back is promotion. Now listen, I get it. When you're in the midst of setback, it is so hard to envision the other side, not to mention a promotion. Like it's hard to imagine that God is going to do something radical on the other side of our setback. But listen, that's God's design. He designed us to be raised up to be mighty men and women of valor, to be leaders, to be conquerors. That's the scripture that we studied at the very beginning. We were designed to be lifted up. Last year, God told me to do something pretty radical for me. He said, Diana, I'm calling you to leave the marketplace. Now, I'd been in the marketplace for 20 years, working in software, sales, marketing, uh, operations, positions, that's where I felt called at the time. 
And then God said, I'm calling you out of the marketplace and I want you to work in ministry full time. It was a pretty interesting decision, but for me it was like, okay, God, if that's what you're calling me to do. Now last May, this is when this all went down, I was up in Vancouver where my company was now headquartered and I was with some of the leaders that I'd helped to build this business with. And one of them said, hey, Diana, can I take you to coffee? We go to coffee and I'm expecting him to be like, Congratulations, so excited for you, go get him. But what comes out of his mouth is he goes, I'm disappointed in you. I was like, what? He goes, what have you done? You're throwing away the career of a lifetime. He said, Diana, you're one of the people that they've got their eye on for the future leader of this company. What are you doing? And in that moment, I have never been more resolute that I knew I was doing exactly what the Lord called me to do. And I said, dear friend, the Lord told me that I've been building man's fiefdom for 20 years. And it was time to build his kingdom full time. And I said, I know it doesn't look like it, but God is promoting me. God was promoting me. Now, I'm not saying ministry is a promotion over marketplace, but for me, that was the next step. That's what God was saying, I'm calling you to next. Promotion. How do we ensure God promotes us? We persevere. Perseverance brings promotion. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Stay focused. Stay focused on the growth. He's going to promote you. He says in James 1 verses 2, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, the lipsis, real hardships of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, because it's a process that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That's promotion. That word perseverance in the Greek is the word hupomene, and it means to remain, to endure, to bear bravely and calmly. Because you see, when we press in truly to uncover the purpose through preparation, it leads to promotion. How do I persevere? Don't give up. And then let God promote you. Don't get ahead of him. He's got promotion in store, but he's the one that does the promotion. The scripture says, those who humble themselves will be exalted. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. God decides which. It's our choice to see where he goes with that based on how we respond. Psalm 75 verse 6 says, this I know. The favor that brings promotion and power doesn't come from anywhere on earth. In other words, it doesn't come from your boss at work. It doesn't come from that business deal. It doesn't come from that next opportunity. It comes from God, the true judge of all. He alone determines where favor rests. He anoints one for greatness and brings another down to his knees. Stay the course, stay focused, persevere. 
you know, when it was probably like 14 years ago now when Matt and I found out we were pregnant with our first biological child. We were excited, new season, like learning what this was gonna look like. And Trevor, you can go ahead and play for me, sir. Y'all give it up for Trevor. Rock star, rock star on the keys. So we go to our first like doctor's appointment and they tell us we're having a boy, super excited. But they also said that there was something wrong with our baby. They said he had a medical condition that often went alongside of Down syndrome. That day felt like a punch in the gut like never before. Here we're so excited, but now we're facing the fact that something could be wrong with our baby. And here's the thing, the medical doctors at the time, bless them, but man, they were pushing us to get test after test after test. Do the amniocentesis, it'll give you 100% confidence. Are you sure you want this pregnancy? And we were like, whoa. Matt and I went to eat after that appointment and we looked at each other and we said, this is a setback. And we have a choice. We could look at this setback with our natural eyes and look at the medical statistics and look at the, the history of what doctors say could happen. We could focus on that. Or we could have vision for what God has told us is gonna happen with this baby. We believe a promise. So we said, no, we're gonna proceed with vision for our bounce back. We're not gonna have sight in this setback. And so what we had to do is the next few months was a process. We decided not to tell our friends because we didn't want people who didn't have vision from heaven to be walking in the season with us because they would be po pointing out all the things that were visible in the natural. There was purpose in this setback and we knew that some sort of growth was gonna come from it. That next five months was hell. It was hard, but you know what? We learned how to trust God with a faith like never before because there was nothing we could do for our son but trust God. On June 17th, 2011, we gave birth to a happy, healthy baby boy. God is so good. And you know what? God promoted us that day to parents. He said, you've proven faithful. I'm gonna give you this child who has a call on his life. And I'm gonna watch you step into a new season. Guys, listen. Every setback has growth. There's a purpose in your setback and there's a process for being prepared for God to ultimately take you to promotion. Will you stand on your feet? Listen, I believe that there are people in here today that are walking through a setback right now. And I believe that maybe you feel like you've lost vision in your setback and God is saying, I've got you, but there's a process to be prepared and I need you to see what I'm doing. If that's you, if you're in a setback right now, would you just lift your hands up to heaven? What I wanna do is pray over you. I wanna believe God for you. Come on, lift your hands if you're in a setback right now. By the way, that's not weakness, that's called strength. When you lift your hand and say, God, you know my stuff, you know what I'm walking through. I'm gonna pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every single heart that's in here. But thank you, God, for the hands that are lifted right now. They're in the midst of the throes of a setback. And God, you know every ounce of struggle. 
and suffering that they are facing. And I hear you saying right now, I feel you. I've not left you, I've not forsaken you. I'm right there with you. God, I pray that you would open their eyes to see the purpose of what this setback is going to reveal. God, I thank you for the process, the preparation that is preparing them for the promotion to come. God, I pray right now for promotion from heaven like never before. Father, I pray that you give each one of these hands vision to see your hand at work. I thank you, God, for what you're working in and through us. We trust you in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. He's good, he's good. But listen, we're not done. I just wanna take an opportunity. Maybe you're in here and you don't know this man, Jesus who you're designed to become like every single day, who your setbacks were, were put in motion to prepare you to become like him. Listen, when you meet him, it will wreck your world in the best way. If you're in here today and you've not yet made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, or if you'd like to do that again and recommit and say, I'm here for it. Would you just lift your hand just right where you are so I can pray over you? Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, thank you, I see your hand. Come on, come on, if that's you, lift your hand. All of heaven is rejoicing and celebrating on your account right now. Yes, yes. And I want you to repeat after me in a prayer. Church, let's join and say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to raise again. I believe he did that for me. I believe there's purpose. I believe I'm being prepared. And I believe there's promotion in store for me. In Jesus' mighty name, 